this episode, you're going to learn about real-time event stream processing for industrial IoT using Apache Kafka. You're going to learn about architectural patterns for Kafka deployment in manufacturing, connectivity to industrial control systems and enterprise applications. And we're going to discuss using Kafka as a data historian, leveraging it for ERP implementation and using it as a platform for digital twins. My guest to help share that knowledge is Kai Vena. Kai is field CTO and global technology advisor at Confluent. He works with customers across the globe and with internal teams like engineering and marketing. Kai's main areas of expertise lies within the fields of big data analytics, machine learning, hybrid cloud architectures, event stream processing, and Internet of Things. He's a regular speaker at international conferences such as DevOps, ApacheCon, and Kafka Summit. He also writes articles for professional journals and shares his experience with new technologies on his blog. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 48 TV, which is a series of weekly interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell to make sure that you never miss any of the interviews. If you find this conversation interesting, please review it with five stars on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and connect with me on LinkedIn at Kudzai Teresa. Now, here's my interview with Kai. Okay, Kai, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. Okay, so today uh, 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 I want to speak to you about uh, event streaming, uh, particularly its application in the industrial or, or manufacturing sector. So uh, perhaps uh, we can begin by, uh, you can give us a, a, an introduction as to what is uh, event streaming and uh, what, are the, what are its applications uh, as far as manufacturing is concerned? Absolutely. So that's that's really important to understand because people also have a different understanding. So the key point is that event streaming means that you can continuously process streams of data. And the stream can be anything. This can be a technical event like from sensors. This can be application logs. This can be data from firewalls. But the key point is really that the real added value of event streaming comes into play when you also then correlate and analyze this data in flight while the data is in motion. And so um, the other important thing to define here is um, when you read about event streaming and technologies like Apache Kafka, um, then everybody's talking about real time here. And therefore in the beginning of this podcast, it's really important to understand that real time can mean very different things. So when we talk about real time in the base of event streaming, it's not the hard real time, which you know from some manufacturing systems, um, but it's really more like in milliseconds, let's say, or sometimes even in seconds. So that's really important to understand what event streaming is and also how it maps to the other technologies which have other kind of processing capabilities. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, so, so I understand Kafka really is at the, uh, Apache Kafka is at the center of, of, of uh, uh, event streaming. Can you speak to us about uh, Apache Kafka as a technology? Uh, what is it and uh, uh, what, what do you see as its role being uh, in the industrial IoT ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. So in the end, um, Apache Kafka is an open source framework which was created over 10 years ago at LinkedIn. 
The first use case was really about processing big data sets in real time. So this really means terabytes of data. And today Kafka really scales like crazy. That, that works very well. So for example, in Confluent Cloud, we have customers which run a single Kafka cluster to process 10 gigabyte and more per second. So with that, you can already process a lot of high volumes of data. And the, the key point, and that's also what many people don't know, even if they use Kafka already, is that um, Kafka is not just a messaging layer. So when it originated, many people started using to ingest data into a data lake like Hadoop or S3 with Kafka, but that's really just part of the use cases. And therefore it's important to understand that Kafka is a combination of messaging and storage as its core, where it really um, provides um, real-time messaging in combination with decoupling of systems. But in addition to that, um, the open source framework Kafka also provides capabilities to do data integration with Kafka Connect, and it provides capabilities to correlate the data, what's often called stream processing or streaming analytics in the IT world. And um, that is Kafka Streams or KSQL DB as open community projects as part of Kafka. And with that, really, the, the whole story gets much more powerful. And um, this then mapped to, to manufacturing or industrial IoT is, as you can imagine, where you um, do not just collect sensor data and ingest it into a cloud or data lake, but really where you take the different data sources and correlate the information systems and also integrate that with MES systems or ERP or something like that. I mean, that's the things we discussed today, right? Um, yeah. But that's the high-level overview about how, how Kafka fits into this topic. Oh, okay. So maybe while we're on that uh, uh, topic, maybe just to give a perspective to some uh, 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 some of the audience members here who are not familiar with the whole uh, event streaming, what would you say is the key difference between a technology like MQTT and, and Kafka? So, so that's really a good point. And the key point here is really that um, technologies like MQTT, um, that's messaging, right? That's publish, subscribe at a broker. It's to send data from A to B. And for that, it works perfectly. And in contrary to that, Kafka is not just messaging, but really a combination of messaging and storage, which means that you can completely decouple different systems. So some um, systems consume the data in real time in milliseconds, some others in near real time, like you ingested into Elasticsearch for text search, for example. And some others are more batch process, like Hadoop, where you do a MapReduce on all the data from the last day. And in addition to this, as I said, because you can also process and do data integration with Kafka, it's much more than just messaging like MQTT. Nevertheless, um, this is still complementary. So many of our customers in the industrial space combine these different technologies. Like for, um, Kafka, and that's also important to understand, is actually built um, to run in a stable network. And the other reason um, where Kafka is not a good fit if you want to connect to hundreds of thousands of devices. So that's the two key reasons where MQTT is very complementary to Kafka. If you have bad network, or if you have hundreds of thousands of devices, like in a connected car infrastructure, for example, or in the oil and gas field, where you have a lot of sensors in the field. And so um, this is really also important when we discuss this today. Kafka and also its ecosystem also with Confluent, it's not a silver bullet for every problem. And therefore, it's very often combined with other technologies from the industrial IoT space. And also, therefore, we're working together with other vendors on that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Okay. So now, as far as, uh, as the deployment of Kafka is, uh, is concerned, uh, what are the architectural patterns, uh, approaches that are available for, for, for deploying Kafka in a, in a, in a manufacturing environment? 
Yeah, so so that's really a, a long topic. We could uh, discuss this an hour alone. Um, on a high level, really, one of the benefits why people choose Kafka also in the industrial IoT is because it's an open architecture and very flexible. And, and this is not just the source code or the framework, but really also how you can run and deploy it. In most architectures we see in this field is um, where you want to do processing both at the edge, which can be a smart factory, for example, or even closer to the edge, like in the oil and gas field. Um, on the other side, um, even in this uh, field, a lot of customers have, have a cloud-first strategy where they want to build parts of their use cases in the cloud to be elastic and flexible and all these advantages. And um, therefore, typically, most architectures are hybrid, which means that you run Kafka both at the edge for doing local processing or pre-filtering so that you don't replicate all the data to the cloud. Sometimes also for latency reasons, if you want to integrate with the local MES system. Um, and on the other side, in the cloud, you then run things like the big data lake where you do aggregations from the data from all the different factories across the globe, um, to give just one example. And so in this case, and that's also, again, where, where it's important to understand that Kafka, it's not just this, this single infrastructure, but um, especially with Confluent behind it as a company, and we also provide the replication technologies so that you can link these clusters together no matter where they're running. So very often you have one big Kafka cluster running in the cloud, even in a, in a serverless way from Confluent. And on the other side, you have self-managed very small clusters running in smart factories or even closer to the edge. And then you replicate the data in real time between these different clusters also in real time based on the Kafka protocol. And then here we have a lot of different use cases. Um, in some cases, it's more like disaster recovery so that you can have business continuity even if a complete data center goes down. In other cases, it's really more like an aggregation analytics use case where you want to collect data from different edge sites and collect it in one big cluster in the cloud. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So so, so obviously for invest streaming, uh, Kafka needs to, to, to have access or, or, or to gather data from uh, industrial sources. Uh, what connectivity mechanisms uh, does Kafka have uh, in place to, 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 for collecting data from industrial control systems? Yeah, so, so that's also a very important um, discussion. So, so first of all, Kafka in the end was built as an open ecosystem. And, and this is, and I think, the trend in the industry. Um, even though um, some, some vendors, especially the, the traditional vendors in that space, don't like it, but the, the um, customers require an open architecture. And therefore, Kafka was built with that in mind. And therefore, um, if the, the, the endpoints have open interfaces like TCP, um, HTTP, Syslog, um, or something like that, or even indirectly via MQTT, then um, you can very easily directly connect Kafka to these systems. However, in the real world, um, of course, the, especially in, in OT, um, there is a lot of proprietary systems and some legacy and monolithic stuff. And in that case, then um, there is still direct connectivity possible. Um, for example, there is an interesting open source framework, Apache PLC4X. And as the name already says, this was exactly built just to integrate with PLCs, like from Siemens or Modbus or something like that. However, having said that, um, in the real world, then often here is where really we work with partners, which provide a specific IoT gateway that connects to the last mile, um, like the PLCs or like to the Scala system. So um, it's totally okay here to use your existing infrastructure, something like um, OSISoft PI or something like Siemens MindSphere, whatever you have here. Um, this is really where we see this combination pretty often so that if it's a, a proprietary interface and, and legacy models, then um, the, the systems from the, from the vendors come into play here. If it's more open or, or if you're migrating to a more open system, then often you don't need this intermediary anymore. 
And so this is a clear trend we see on the market. Um, most of the deployments, of course, are not greenfield. So you need in the end a combination of both. And so in most deployments we see in a factory, for example, it's really a combination where we complement existing infrastructure with Kafka. And then over time, um, it depends on the customer. Some um, want to keep it in parallel over time. Some others want to migrate it um, to the more open infrastructure. That's then also depends on how the specific OT vendor works here. Some still stay proprietary, but even some ha have to go into the open world because um, for market pressure, um, otherwise they cannot exist anymore. And so, so this is really a combination and depends on the customer how exactly then you integrate everything. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Interesting that you mentioned uh, that uh, you can actually integrate uh, uh, Kafka with, uh, with the PLC4X because that's one of the uh, uh, technologies that I'm actively researching currently. So I think that would be interesting to, to actually try that out and see how it works. Yeah, so now I suppose uh, the same applies to ingesting uh, data into enterprise applications. Like uh, once you have collected it from the factory floor, uh, do you have like any special kind of connectivity for, for, for enterprise uh, uh, applications? Yeah, so, so I mean, this is now where, where, where Kafka shines because that's what it was built for, right? So for any kind of standard application, you can integrate out of the box. So um, as I said, Kafka includes Kafka Connect as integration layer. So you don't need an additional middleware for that. So that's the beauty of Kafka. You run one single infrastructure, which operates 24 seven at scale, but still you can integrate to all these systems. And um, even for, for more like legacy systems, like um, you can easily connect to an Oracle database or MySQL or a traditional database. But on the other side to modern databases like MongoDB or to a cloud data warehouse like Snowflake or to a cloud application like Salesforce or SOP. So that's where, where we as Confluent provide a lot of connectivity um, to all these systems. And, and the beauty is then that with Kafka, um, you have this one infrastructure for the integration in real time at scale, and then you can connect to this to different systems. So in the IT world, this is not really a problem at all. And the other great thing is as Kafka is an open system, it's pretty easy to build your own connectors. Um, in some cases, um, there is no connector yet. Or in other cases, there are simply a specific data format which you use in your company. So it's something which only you know. And then, um, of course, there's no public connector for that. So you can easily build that and connect with that um, to all the different systems. So um, th this is not a problem at all. Um, so the, the, the key challenge, what we see, especially in industrial IoT, is more like how to connect the factories or other edge sites um, to the IT world. Because here, things like um, security is, is a completely different level because today typically most factories are not connected at all um, or just very limited um, security. And, 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 and this is also where we um, more or less um, work with our customers to configure this in the right way. So just, just to give you one example, um, in most cases, um, in industrial IoT or in the OT world, it's not allowed um, that the IT system starts the connection to the OT system. That's in IT, it's very normal that you connect to systems like this. You do a request and get a response from that. Um, in the OT world, typically, um, you need to initiate a connection from the OT side. And this is the things where um, the, the open source Kafka framework was not really built for. Um, so in addition to the standard connectivity options, um, we also provide features like, for example, the data diode concept, which means that really, you can ensure a direct um, um, pipeline between the OT and the IT world with all the security in place which you need um, to, to, to also make your um, uh, InfoSec security team happy for that. So this is really the, 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 the biggest challenging part of integrating the OT and IT world. In addition to the connectivity to the last mile, as I said, and here typically we work with other vendors together. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, absolutely. That's 
think that's very interesting there. So now, do, do you perhaps have uh, an example uh, uh, of, of, of real-time of uh, analytics that can actually be, 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 be performed uh, at the edge or using Kafka? Yes, absolutely. So this is also um, part of the reason why people deploy Kafka at the edge, like in a smart factory. So on the one side, of course, many people start with use cases like um, just collecting the data and getting it in the cloud um, to do visualization and maybe some first batch reporting on that, because even that typically doesn't exist today if you're starting in a traditional company. But then as a next step, when you have this pipeline running with Kafka at the edge anyway, of course, then you want to do more um, smart analytics at the edge. And, and here also, it's really important to understand what we mean with that because um, some people talk about AI and machine learning when they just have some specific business rules implemented at the edge. Um, so this is still a good starting point and adds value already. But then of course the I would say cutting edge example is then when you train an analytic model like with technologies like TensorFlow or, or a cloud service but then really deploy that model at the edge to do for example predictive maintenance in real time or for example if you are for production line and apply the analytic model in this event streaming application for every single event on the assembly line so that you do things like um, quality assurance so to give you one specific example um, is um, what customers implement in production lines is to scrap parts early so this is something where you need to make a decision in real time. And, and once again, this is not the hard real time. So it's okay if it takes 10 milliseconds, but when you're on the assembly line, you need to make the decision before you go to the next stage in the assembly line. And there you can make a decision. Do we throw it away? Or do we um, reprocess it here? Or do we put it to the next stage in the assembly line? And here often then either just business rules come into play or maybe image recognition with open CV or something like that, or really much more powerful deep learning models. And this is then um, where Kafka is used as the real-time streaming application because it's capable of handling even millions of events per second in the assembly line um, and applying analytics to that, no matter if it's just a business rule or an analytic model. And um, there is great examples. So um, for example, if you, if you search for um, Confluent and Sevastal, so that's a steel manufacturing company in Russia, and they are doing this for many years already. So um, they, they have built analytic models um, in their case with H2O, which is another um, machine learning framework. And um, they train this on big data sets. That's a batch process. But when they have trained this model, then they deploy this to the production line to process and analyze every single event happening there in real time and applying the model for doing predictions. So that there's plenty of examples like this. And, and this is really just getting started. There's so many use cases which you can, can use for that. Awesome, great stuff. Now, uh, another interesting concept is uh, is that of uh, using uh, Kafka as a as a as a data historian. Can you can you can you elaborate uh, on that for us to exactly how that yes. works? Absolutely, that, that matters a little bit what I said before about that um, existing infrastructures in the OT world today are proprietary and monolithic and um, it, it works typically, right? Um, but um, now um, the game is completely changing where um, you're going to industry 4.0 and smart factories and more and more data sets. Um, so there, there is two reasons why the, the current ecosystems do not work anymore for many customers. Um, one is simply the scale of data. So um, as soon as you start with industry 4.0, um, you get more and more sensor data and that's high volumes and still you need to process this in real time. So that's the one reason where um, either customers connect Kafka to their existing 
um, data historian, uh, or for example, in, in many architectures, they use Kafka for pre-processing and filtering the data because the, the OT middleware cannot handle the big volumes anymore. So you connect the sensors to Kafka and pre-filter and pre-aggregate it, and only then send the aggregated data into the data historian like a SCADA system because it was not built for the scale. Um, so this is the one use case. Um, and the other use case actually is simply that what I discussed before is customers want to be in a more open and flexible and elastic architecture. And so um, for technical reasons, now they decide to build a new data historian with Kafka because here they are open and flexible. So on the one side, they can still leverage other proprietary middleware at the edge, but in the same way, they can modernize their infrastructure, for example, replicate data to the cloud, build a more open ecosystem by themselves at the edge. So um, this is where you then have the freedom of choice because you are not um, bound to just one single vendor which tells you what exactly you have to do and how much license fees you have to pay but simply just for being having having this flexibility that that's the other reason um why people use kafka for this oh great stuff great stuff so uh, another uh, concept that i'm curious to find out is um how uh, kafka can be uh, leveraged to uh, implement uh, what you call a, a postmodern ERP. So perhaps you can first uh, begin by clarifying to us what you mean by a postmodern ERP and then explain how Kafka can be used to implement that. Yes, absolutely. So actually, I, I use this term more and more in the, in, in the last weeks because it works so well. Um, this is a term actually coined by Gardner, so, so the analyst company. And um, they define in the end a postmodern ERP as a more open and flexible system because it's not a single monolithic big system, which is super complex, where you cannot easily add new functions. Often it doesn't scale well, and you are bound to one single vendor. And instead of using that, a postmodern ERP is an architecture where you can either combine different systems from different vendors or build some solutions by yourself. So a basic rule of thumb is um, for the systems where you don't differentiate, there you can buy a product, but where you want to differentiate, that part should be built by yourself because you want to differentiate from your competitors. And here um, Kafka then plays a key role in that because it builds this central nervous system um, where you have these real streams of data and connect to the different applications. And part of this um, postmodern ERP then um, is based on Kafka. Some other parts are still um, systems which you buy, maybe some services in the cloud or some other proprietary solutions. And some still might be the monolithic legacy system you run in place. And all of that can be combined with Kafka. The, the, the key difference of using Kafka instead of another data lake, for example, here in the middle is that with Kafka, the heart of it is scalable in real time and um, reliable. And with that in mind, then you can connect both new real-time consumers to that. But on the other side, you can still connect to your legacy system, which is maybe just a file transfer. And this is also the reason why um, it's not just me talking about this concept or Gardner, but um, the, the interesting thing is that many vendors of these kind of products like MES systems, ERP systems, APM systems, they actually also are building their next generation system based on Kafka for the same reason. They have the same challenges like their customers. They need to process higher volumes of data. And um, therefore, they build um, their solution on Kafka. Often, the end user doesn't even know it because it's still a proprietary solution. But under the hood, it's very often, in the meantime, baked by Apache Kafka. So you see this trend, for example, um, like in the past, uh, many of these, these um, vendors of these systems, like European MES, in the past, um, 
in the beginning, many years ago, they had a file-based file -based interface for batch processing. Then in the last 10 years, everybody added a SOAP or REST web service to have an HTTP communication, which is better and open. Um, in the meantime, almost all of these modern renderers have a streaming API, which means that you have a messaging interface so that you can asynchronously communicate with other systems, that you can process higher volumes of data. And so this, this kind of discussion about postmodern ERP or MES or whatever it is, it's not just um, about um, the, the customer and the factory, um, it's really also about the vendors which build new solutions. And that's really the exciting part about this. Oh, okay. That's... That's interesting. So you, you have already touched uh, a, a, a bit on the integration of Kafka with uh, uh, machine uh, learning. Uh, so perhaps just to clarify on that, uh, the machine learning functionality is it is it built into the Kafka infrastructure, or is it is it is it is it deployable as a separate model, or how does it work? Yes, so, so that's again a, a very good question and similarly to my answer to IIoT, so Kafka is not an IIoT gateway itself and in the same way it's not a machine learning solution or framework or product by itself. It's complementary to ML frameworks and so um, you have to or can choose your own framework here, your favorite tools and combine them with Kafka. So. In, in the end, maybe to, to also clarify what I mean with that, because it's one of these other buzzwords which you need to in, uh, need to define first. So, so uh, in my definition, machine learning is in the end um, two things. First, you take historic, sorry, you take historical data, and then you uh, have a batch process which trains a model on that. That's part of the machine learning framework. And, and a framework like that is TensorFlow or H2O, or there's commercial tools for that or cloud services. And then when you have trained this model, maybe once a day or once a week, then you need to deploy this model. So the, the model is in the end just a binary, either open source or just a proprietary model. And that's what you deploy to another process. And here is now where you do the predictions. So that's the second part. And it's often completely separated from the first part. So the model training can run in the cloud in a big data center. And the model predictions are run closer to the edge for very low latency and for having reduced cost and so on. And um, so, Kafka is used heavily in, in, in all this architecture. And um, I, I have written a lot of blog posts about this topic. So um, Kafka, first of all, um, by nature, is the ingestion layer into the big data lake where you train the model. So that's you, Kafka everywhere. No matter if you use Hadoop or Spark or anything else, you almost always use Kafka as ingestion layer. But in addition to that, um, more and more people also use Kafka for the processing parts, for doing the ETL in real time before you ingest it into a data lake like filtering out not important information or doing aggregations. Um, in addition to that, however, completely separated from the model training, customers now deploy this trained model, which is like a TensorFlow model, into a Kafka application. And with that, then you can apply it at the edge. And the other great benefit here is, so this can, can be totally flexible regarding your architecture. So um, Kafka, um, the, the open source framework only has a Java client. But for example, from Confluent, we also have clients for C or C++. So you can even go more into the, into the embedded world or OT world where you have really low latency requirements, which are not possible with Java. Or for example, um, we have real streaming applications like KSQL DB, where you can write continuous processes just with, with SQL. And still you can apply an analytic model here. 
here. And in addition to the model training and model inference for the predictions, the third part of a machine learning infrastructure is that you also need real-time capabilities for monitoring this infrastructure, both on a technical level, so that you know that everything is still running for doing the predictions on the production line, but then also from a business perspective that you can evaluate if my models are still working well, or if they're um, scrapping parts all the time, even though it doesn't make any sense because they are good. And so um, Kafka is really used heavily in all these areas of machine learning. And again, the architecture is different at every customer, depending on what other frameworks you use, how you want to combine it. And that's the beauty of Kafka, because you're totally open how to use it and where to use it. Oh, okay, awesome. Awesome stuff. So again, you've also touched on the hybrid de uh, deployment of Kafka, where we've got one uh, uh, cluster or in the, at the edge, and you've got some uh, deployment in the cloud. Now, what I want to find out is uh, under what circumstances uh, would you encourage a, a hybrid deployment or, or, or under what circumstances have you seen more of uh, hybrid deployments uh, happen uh, in, a, in a manufacturing scenario? Yes, so, so, so first of all, almost all deployments I see are not just at the edge because um, simply most bigger companies, no matter uh, which industry, they almost all have a cloud first strategy um, because they are, they are more elastic and more flexible. They can also integrate with new um, software as a service offerings and so on. And even many ERP systems are now built in the cloud, right? So this is the trend. Um, however, having said that, um, still not everything can be processed in a data center or cloud. Um, the main reason for that are um, often latency requirements. So for doing these predictions in, a, in, a, in an assembly line, it, it doesn't make sense to replicate data to the cloud, do the prediction there, and then um, send the prediction back to the data center. That doesn't make sense. So latency requirements is a key reason why, why people deploy Kafka at the edge too. Um, in addition to that, cost is another thing. Um, many customers started with a pilot only in the cloud because for the pilot, it often works if you have just a few sensors. But then when you find out, well, now I want to connect my thousands of sensors, this costs a lot of money to replicate that to the cloud. And so they at least do pre-filtering at the edge or maybe even deploy their applications for the, with the business logic at the edge too. And so that there's really no short answer. This really depends a little bit on the use case. Some customers run ERP and MES systems just in the cloud. Some others have hybrid uh, solutions. Some others still run their MES only at the edge. So um, again, this depends on the use case a little bit, um, but, but definitely most cases, even if you're just in the cloud still then, if you're a global player, even then there is not one Kafka cluster because then you have at least one in each region, like one in the US, one in China and one in Europe. And this again has different reasons like latency and cost, but also regarding data privacy and security and laws and so on. So for example, we're working with many automotive companies, um, they sell everywhere and for them, China is a big market, um, but you cannot replicate data out of China. And so they have um, a Kafka cluster completely separated from the others. And so um, here is really where the architecture is, is very important, but on a high level, um, you can start small. So this is typically on a big bang. You start with a small cluster, you build your pilot. And of course, then you can think about the strategy, how to roll this out across the globe or across factories. Just to give you one example here, um, we have also one automotive customer, which um, built this pipeline first with one single factory in Germany and um, in the Confluent cloud where they then had this replication between both for some use cases in the cloud, some others at the edge. And now where this is in production, now they're rolling it out uh, across their 30 uh, uh, 
factories across the globe. And even here, um, often not every factory is the same because they have different technologies, sometimes different vendors behind the different interfaces. So each of them is often its own project in the real world because typically you don't start on Greenfield um, and therefore that's what it is. Um, but, but this is how, how the process typically looks like when you deploy Kafka in, in these hybrid architectures. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense actually. So now, uh... One other concept that I'm, uh, I'm heavily uh, invested in, or personally because I'm currently in the research phase of, uh, of, of, of trying to, to, to understand the digital twin uh, uh, development uh, 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 techniques, uh, is um, how uh, Kafka can be used as a, as, a, as a platform for digital twins. So can you like, explain to, to, to us how that uh, works? Absolutely. And, and, and this is yet another term which really needs to be defined in the beginning. So, um, it, and that's really in general part of the problem in this industry. So there's a lot of buzzwords which are used everywhere and, and, and everybody means something different with that. And the same is true for the digital twin, or sometimes also you read about the digital threat, right? Which is more this end-to-end -end point of view about the digital twin and all the actions on that. And, and the long, the, the, the whole life cycle of a product, for example. And in many of these architectures, Kafka play, plays a key role. But even here, there is no single answer, but, but a few different architectures. Some people um, build their digital twin where you store all the information about a car, for example, in a separate database, like in a MongoDB database in the cloud or any other storage system, right? Um, so here they use Kafka, like we discussed before, more or less the streaming layer um, to attach new events to that, to process them, aggregate them, and then at some point in time also ins 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 insert it into the database, which is then the digital twin, where you can run also reports and analytics on top of that. In other cases, um, as Kafka itself, it's also a storage system and even provides uh, capabilities with confluent tiered storage so that you can store data long-term in Kafka and even for terabytes and petabytes of data. In some other cases, um, customers don't need yet another database because the more technologies you use, the more costly it is, the more complex, the more risk and so on. And so you can also store all these events of a digital twin in Kafka. And the big advantage here is that Kafka itself, it's a log where you append new events only. So it's immutable. You cannot change it anymore. And it also stores everything um, with timestamps and in a guaranteed ordering for each producer. And with that, as you can imagine, this is exactly by definition what a digital twin should be because afterwards you can also consume historical data event by event. So if you want a specific event for a car or even for a consumer person or for any device, you can um, do um, retro perspectives on the data by just consuming the events for this specific car. Um, again, this can be used for predictive maintenance or for upselling and or after sales in automotive. So there's plenty examples and architectures for um, using a digital twin here. And again, can you give, give you one great example where Kafka is used heavily for this? Um, if you think about an automotive company and you um, want to buy a car, so then there is a lot of interactions with many different interfaces. And we work with many automotive companies um, where they have, have digital, digitalized their um, experience with the customer. So when you first get a few newsletters or, or advertisements from the customer, that's maybe 90 days ago and 30 days ago, and you get an email by that. That's events, right? For each customer, often personalized. And then um, 10 days ago, the customer already took a look at the app, mobile app, for the, and, and configured a car in a car configurator. Then the customer, in the meantime, the, the, the car maker has to store it somewhere. Because then the expectation is when the um, like when you did it on your mobile app and then you get home to your wife three days later, 
And want to discuss with her um, what should the car look like, and then we change something for the car configurator, and then it has to start again somewhere. And this is all even based with um, timestamps. And then at some point, when you go to the car dealership, then the salesperson there already sees on his own tablet, hey, these guys they received some newsletters, and then they configured the cars. And then we also connect to that a lot of other information, like maybe this is a loyal customer who has bought the last five cars also at us. So we can also expect and calculate how much he will probably be able to pay for this car. And in some other cases, we might need to give a 10% discount. Otherwise, he will leave and buy the car from another company because he doesn't care that much about the brand of the car. And um, all of this is happening by correlating the data at, at many different times of the days. But then at the right time in the right context, you also need to provide this correlation in real time back at the consumer systems. And then some automotive companies go even further because they want to have a great customer experience. So the digital twin and digital thread didn't end here. So when you buy the car, um, then the car is manufactured. So in the meantime, cars are manufactured really um, on a customer basis and um, one by one because everyone is different. And so the customer on his mobile app with the loyalty information, he gets new notifications about the manufacturing process of the car. So you always also know in real time where your car is in the production line so that you can see, hey, this car is ready in 14 days. This car is now, um, it received its navigation system. So now it's ready in three days. And then when you can pick it up, you drive to the dealership and so on. And this is the end-to-end -end customer experience. And, and this is also really mapped to this digital twin or digital thread experience because typically it's not just about the digital twin of a car, for example, for maintenance and so on, but also about the relationship to the customer and the end user and all of that needs to be correlated. And, and this is the, the main story. And of course, every project looks different mm -hmm. and Kafka can help you in different um, phases or use cases, um, but really the opportunities are big and hence we see Kafka a lot in these digital twin stories. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. And then uh, what sort of uh, relationships are there between uh, Kafka and uh, augmented reality? So, so that's also, of course, related to that. Um, here it's the same like for machine learning or IoT gateway. So Kafka is, is not an, an augmented reality or virtual reality technology itself. Nevertheless, we see a lot of these systems being integrated with Kafka for the same reasons we discussed today. So no matter if you build an AR application with something like AR kit just for Apple and iOS devices, or maybe use a Unity or Unreal Engine or something specific from a third party IoT vendor, like, I don't know, PTC or Siemens or something, um, still, the point is, this is then the, the AR or VR application, which the user uses, for example, on the production line. But then um, this is creating events. So the, the AR application produces events and it needs to consume events. And so on the backend system, it needs to integrate with the MES system, with the ERP system, with customer information, the same way like other systems. It's in the end just that the, the end user has a different perspective on the information and the machines and the production line. And so the story for Kafka is exactly the same. So it's not an AR or VR technology, but it integrates with it the same way like with other applications. And, and, and this is again where the, that's the beauty of Kafka because um, even if you don't have AR or VR today and you have to trust your production line and integrate with Kafka, when you need to or want to introduce AR later for education processes, for improving the, 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 the process of the production line, you can simply connect this application to Kafka 2 and consume or produce events the same way like with other technologies. And, and, and that's really the, the huge benefit of this architecture. And hence, 
Um, even if you have a system like from Siemens, but now you want to use this AR technology from PTC or General Electric or whatever, you can simply combine them because the architecture itself is open and flexible. And, and that, that's the key reason why, why customers don't want to put a monolithic proprietary system in the middle for all of this. Oh, okay. Great stuff. Great stuff. So, I mean, you have already given us uh, quite a lot of use cases uh, uh, throughout this uh, this talk. I don't know if you've got any use cases that you want to add there or anything in, in, in particular that you think would, would, would be of benefit to the audience. Yeah, so, so I think um, one of the most impressive ones um, which I can talk about is Tesla. So um, what, what I really like about Tesla, and you can also search for Tesla and Kafka and you will find a few blog posts and Kafka summit talks from, talks from them. What's really showing also with Kafka at Tesla is that um, Tesla is not just building a car, right? They're manufacturing a car, but in the end, many people say it's, um, it's four wheels and software on top of it. But even here, the story doesn't end. So it's not just about the over-the-air updates to the software and upselling and all these things they do very well. But even behind that, they do much, much more, um, not just with Kafka, where they process trillions of events per day. Um, it's really about integrating all their other systems. Like, um, I mean, Tesla, it's also a, a huge energy provider, right? So they have all their, their ener energy systems to load the cars on the street. And then they have their gigafactories. Um, they have the, 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 the luck that they are really starting on Greenfield here. So they have a lot of different systems and business models. And um, rumors say they are even going into the insurance business to insure their own cars. So, and then based on what we discussed in the last hour, this is exactly what Tesla is doing with Kafka. They, they're integrating all of their different events from many different technologies and systems and sites and correlating this information in real time to add value to that. And so for that reason, they also, they don't just use Kafka as a messaging system, but for example, in one of their presentations, they also talked about how they use Kafka Connect. That's the integration layer because you do not have just one kind of interface. You need to integrate to different ones. And, and, and that's where Kafka shines by doing not just the messaging, but also the integration and the processing of the data in real time and scale. And therefore, this is, I think, a great example. And um, there is great similar examples from many other companies, like from Porsche, from Audi. Um, there are so many out there and also across industries, like we have airline use cases from Lufthansa, Afros, Singapore Airlines, and, and you can really go across industries. Everybody's using Kafka for the same reasons. Um, just the use cases are a little bit different for each industry. And so it's really worth taking a look in your industry and and then also think about how you can leverage event streaming here. Awesome, awesome. Okay, yeah, so may, maybe to close this session off, uh, can you uh, speak to us about uh, Confluent um, as a company? Uh, what's your role in, 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 in Kafka? And uh, yeah. what sort of uh, products and service offering do you, do you, do you, do you provide? Yeah, I, I think um, that that's pretty important. Um, if you Google for any of these use cases, you often will find Confluent anyway. So, um, but at, as Confluent um, was founded around six years ago by the inventors of Apache Kafka. So they created Kafka at LinkedIn, and then these people got venture capital to make Kafka enterprise ready. And for that reason, Confluent was founded. So Confluent is only doing Kafka and event streaming and an ecosystem on top of that. So in the meantime, we have 300 full-time committers, engineers just working on Kafka and the ecosystem. And then of course, also a lot of consultants and support people to provide 24 seven support. Um, but but it's, it's not just Kafka, and that's the other key point. And that's especially for an industry like, like um, manufacturing. Um, Kafka is the open source framework, and we see this typically as the engine of the car. So you can even run it by yourself, right? And it's, it's Apache 2.0 license. But um, what we are in the end doing is really we are not just selling the engine, but we are selling a full car, which is complete, which is secure, which is maintained, and so on. 
So that's in the end on a high level what we are doing. And we're doing only that. And that also for hybrid deployment. So we have a serverless offering in all the major clouds, but also we have the self-managed capability to run in your own data center or at the edge, like in a factory. And a lot of tools around that for security, for replication, for integration and so on. And that's our business model. And that's probably when you uh, research about Kafka on the market, you will find Confluent. Um, but that's also the reason why customers come to us because we are really, um, the, I would say the number one Kafka vendor, um, which has the most experience and the tooling. And that's um, why um, customers come to us for event streaming and their use cases. Okay, great stuff. So Kai, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you. It was great. And I'm happy to talk to some of you when you listen to this. Okay, awesome. Great stuff.